Hey everyone, this is John Puritz. Welcome to the Man Up Already podcast. This show is dedicated to each of us being better in all areas of our lives, mentally, spiritually, physically, and relationally. We want to help you be a better you because when you man up already, the world around you is greatly impacted. Here on the podcast, we don't believe you're an accident. We believe each of us is created for purpose and this show is dedicated to helping you discover and live out that purpose. Again, welcome to the show and let's check out another great episode. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Man Up Already podcast. And as always, super, super excited to have you here. Boy, uh, you know, we just keep getting better and better and better every episode. I say that every episode and that's how I feel like it's just it just keeps getting better and better. And this episode is going to tackle something that I think is incredibly important. It's a conversation that needs to be had, especially on the Man Up Already podcast. And we're going to dive in. But before we do, um, I've been saying it the last couple of episodes. We're excited to have another Man Up Already Growth Conference 2024 uh, in February, the 24th of February in Port St. Lucie, Florida. We're calling it A Few Good Men. And you can head on out to manupalready.com under events. The tickets are right there. It's actually right there on the homepage. And it's limited to 50 men. Uh, and we already have um, tickets sold, so they're going to go, and they're going to go fast. So if you are listening to this, get on over to manupalready.com. Get yourself a ticket to that event. They're only 25 bucks, and it's going to be freaking awesome. So um, I'm excited to have our guest today because we, uh, we're discussing something that has affected me personally. There's a key component to uh, a lot of change for me in 2023. And um, I, you know, after dealing with this and, and I'm still finding my groove with it, but I think it's an incredible uh, topic um, to discuss. And that is a conversation around sleep apnea. So in order to have uh, a, a proper conversation about it, we're going to bring in an expert. Our guest today um, has got some, some resume and we're excited to have him. Um, our guest today is the leading provider. Um, of helping people smile and sleep. He's treated more telehealth patients than any provider in the world. He's a practicing general dentist of 28 years, licensed in 12 states, and an expert provider of clear aligner teeth straightening. He's an expert in sleep health and has co-authored the much-anticipated book, What Happens When Your Child Doesn't Sleep? Unlock the Secrets to Happy, Healthy Children. By embracing new technology and AI, he has pioneered new treatments that have offered millions of Americans more access to dental care. I'm super excited to have our guest today. Please welcome Dr. Blaine Leeds. All right, Dr. Blaine, pleasure to have you on the Man Up Already podcast. John, it is a pleasure to be here, and uh, I need to man up a lot more, so I'm ready. <laughs> I think we're all a work in progress. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. If you're not, then, then you're men mentally, you need to, you know, you need to check into some stuff if you're not. Yeah. A work in progress. You know, so I, I you know, yeah. transparently, transparently, I get, um, I get, a, you know, a lot of, Hey, you could have this person or you could have this person and, and you on, on the show and you stood out because of what you do and what you're working on. I, I just, um, it's so near and dear to my heart, um, especially as of late, that I'm I'm super pumped to have the conversation um, 
you well, know, I'm super pumped to be here, John. Yeah. So. Um, but I'd like, you know, our audience to know, you know, who you are. I read your bio. I mean, your accolades are are incredible. But what's your story? Like, how did you get into dentistry, into sleep study? Like, how did that all happen? Sure. Um, well, I thought from the time I was in eighth or ninth grade that I wanted to be a physician, probably a pediatrician, actually. I loved kids and loved sports and youth group and stuff at church and all that kind of thing. So I was always working with uh, around kids and thought I'll be a pediatrician. And uh, then got interested in some of the other sciences, but ended up in dental school. Um, it was it was very strange. There was a, I mean, you can call it divine intervention or the cosmos lining up or whatever you want to call it. Um, but it, it was like my path to medical school was um, it just seemed bumpy the whole time. And then when I applied to dental school, it just seemed like everything fit. Hmm. And uh, and I'm very grateful that it did. So ended up going to the University of Tennessee Health Science Center in Memphis, uh, right there by Sun Studios on Union Avenue, where all the great oh rock and roll was in the '50s. And uh, wow, uh, and really loved Memphis. The time that we were there, you know, we're from a small town in Arkansas originally. So all of our friends were like, "Ooh, Memphis! I don't know if we want to live there." And, and Memphis is a great town, birthplace of the blues, you know, and uh, great music and great barbecue. And, and so we had a great time there. Four years there in dental school. And then um, came back to my hometown in, in uh, western Arkansas, a little town called Clarksville, like the monkey song, like last train to Clarksville. And uh, it's a beautiful place in the foothills of the Ozark Mountains. Nice little university town with the University of the Ozarks uh, here in our town, which is where Helen Robson Walton, Sam Walton's uh, wife, the founder of Walmart, went to college. Wow. And so... Um, but it's a wonderful school with a wonderful learning center that helps a lot of uh, university students that have uh, learning disabilities. A beautiful little liberal arts campus with around eight, 800 students and here in our town. And so I was practicing here. And, and then in about 2012 uh, uh, my, or 2011, my wife, who is a very heavy sleeper, could sleep through anything, um, was concerned because she started being awakened by me snoring so loud that it would keep her awake and then she would be awake and listen to me breathe. And then she would hear me stop breathing. And so, um, you know, this was 14, 13, 14 years ago now. And uh, so I went through the process of checking that out and, and went through the standard medical process and got a CPAP machine and uh, back in, in that time frame. And, you know, like we mentioned, you know, off air a little bit, you were talking about um, you just have, have become a CPAP wearer yourself. And I had the same experience you did. I put that thing on. It was I put it on as fast as a, I put on a baseball cap. I was asleep in less than uh, less than 20 seconds, probably. And that is the way it is to this day. When I get tired, I go to sleep. I put my machine on and I sleep like a rock. It might be five hours one night. Uh, it might be eight and a half. Um, but I average probably six and a half, seven hours of really good uh, productive sleep most every night. And so. Uh, but uh, as we'll talk a little bit more about, I, I want to correct the issue that's causing me to need a CPAP machine. And I've been working through that since 2017 and spending almost all of my time working with patients that using clear liner orthodontics just to straighten their smile cosmetically or functionally or make them feel better. Or uh, now we're making all kinds of advances with aligners and 3D printing so that someday you're going to see uh, sleep apnea, oral sleep apnea appliances that are sort of hybrid devices that are sleep appliances and aligners. So we're moving teeth and we're also expanding patients and 
So it's a, it's a really exciting field. And uh, so those two things have been my focus for the last uh, seven years since 2017. Amazing. Okay. So there's a, there's a list of things that I am excited to, to just discuss in, in what you just shared. The first is obviously, right, Man Up Already is, is the mission and the movement and the mindset. Um, so I'm going to talk directly to men, though I know women deal with this also, um, sleep apnea. But with men, you know, I think it, I, I say all the time, right? It shouldn't take things that are going to kill us or destroy our lives for us to wake up and, and make change. But unfortunately, that happens quite often. I was experiencing, I literally would wake up. I had no idea I wasn't sleeping. I thought because when you're, when you're dysfunctionally sleeping, you think that's normal, right? You don't, you don't really know what it really, what it really looks like or feels like. But I got to a point now that I'm post 50, um, that I would wake up and, and I would wake up as if a bomb went off most of the times in the middle of the night to the point where I'm like, if this continues, I'm going to have a heart attack. Like I could tell the stress and all that. And that's when I got the sleep study done. But my point is for men, jokes about snoring and the making it a trivial thing or a common thing, right? Happens so much that we just think it's normal and we're not going and getting medically the things that we actually need for something. You, you talk about that um, uh, sleep apnea is the silent health threat that cannot be ignored. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit. It really is. And you, you brought up some interesting points. You know, uh, we know now that complications of sleep apnea took Carrie Fisher away from us, probably. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Actress from, actress and from Star Wars and, and uh, many, many other wonderful uh, television series and films. And then uh, Reggie White, a great defensive lineman with the Hall of Famer with the Packers and Eagles and University of Tennessee fellow alumnus of mine. Um, you know, we lost him to respiratory arrest. Um, and a dear friend of mine, Brian Ferry, that uh, we're, apparently we're writing the book that's never going to come out. It keeps getting delayed. So it was supposed to be out November <laughs> November 30th. But uh, anyway, so but Brian tragically lost his wife uh, now eight years ago. And she had two CPAP machines in the plastic in the box underneath her bed when she passed away. Oh, my away. gosh. And so um, and, and but you described something. And this is what, what we want all of your guys that listen to the podcast uh, to know, um, so they can share it with their wives or, um, but if you wake up with that kind of symptom, that's never normal. In other words, if you wake up with your, your carotid pulse, just pounding and you have to go to the restroom, that's when a lot of people notice it. They have, and, and what happens is, is that's your body's defense system saying, okay, we don't have enough oxygen to the brain. So we're going to flush all the organ systems. We're going to drain the kidneys. We're going to filter everything, all the blood we're going to, because we got to get this patient to breathe some, some oxygen. And so uh, if you are having to get up and urinate many times during the night, it's not only a prostate concern, it, it, you know, for us guys over 40, it is, it can be a sleep related concern. And we've seen that in, in our, in bedwetting and children that it's, it's related to how they're breathing nasally and how much oxygenated blood they're getting to their brain. And that's what causes the organ, you know, the renal system to flush the kidneys uh, it's a combination of, okay, let's get more oxygen in the blood and let's also get into fight or flight. And let's wake this human being up so they can breathe. You know, and it was um, when I decided to finally get the the sleep study done, 
you know, I was so, and I'm sure so many people are like this. I mean, you talked about your, your friend's wife, right? That the machine's literally sitting under the bed. Um, I just was like, I'm not, I'm not putting something on my face. I'm not like, I was so adamant. Like, I don't care what the study says. I don't want, you know, to go down that rabbit hole. Right. Right. And, um, and then I knew I was ignorant. I knew so little about the process, but the, the sleep study in and of itself, I didn't really sleep well because a lot of the things that you were talking about were happening, finding the right mask, leaks, you know, being woken up, having to urinate a lot. Um, it was an interesting evening. However, uh, well, the first evening, the first one, when they did the sleep study on me, I got up a bunch of times and that was uncomfortable. But when I bet, went back and they put the CPAP on, even though I got up a, a bunch of times, um, it was five in the morning. The sleep study was done. I'm getting in the shower. And I remember feeling so clear headed that I literally was like, I don't care what I got to put on my face. I can't live without how I'm feeling right now. It was like a veil had been lifted off my consciousness, which I know you have experienced, right? Um, yeah. In just well, personally. All of, all of us have experienced it. We just don't know when the last time it was that, mm. that it happened, right? I mean, right. Uh, and that's that's what we started asking our patients, you know, in a general dental office, right? I mean, we're doing crowns and root canals and taking out teeth and, you know, rebuilding smiles and doing dental hygiene. But one of the first things we ask every one of our patients at a hygiene visit, how are you sleeping? And, you know, for a couple of years after, because as soon as I became a patient, it was like, wow, we can save someone's life in a general dental office at a dental hygiene appointment. And I have done that. I have, I have, I was pinch hitting for another doctor and seeing his hygiene patients one day because he had to be out of town unexpectedly. Met a gentleman for the first time, was in his 60s, and he had some signs and symptoms, which are if you grind your teeth. Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't breathe through your nose very well, uh, humans are obligate nasal breathers. We should be breathing quietly, effortlessly, invisibly all the time through our nose. It's the only time that we ever produce uh, uh, nitric oxide in the paracinus area. There's some sensors there that secrete nitric oxide into our blood, which is our body's own vasodilator. And so when that happens, all the muscles feel better, your, your brain improves you get restorative sleep which we need every single night and that's why you know sometimes even if you're having trouble with fragmented sleep if you have a bad night of sleep that the next night if you sleep well you, you kind of recover and you feel better right. you know your body needs that but uh yeah those signs and symptoms if you're waking up at night and having that rapid pulse not good or uh, unexpected blood pressure elevation for no apparent reason. You know, you may have had a doctor say, ah, oh, it's probably genetic. You know, we'll get you on beta block or whatever. Is it? I mean, right. let's make sure it's not sleep apnea that's causing your blood because my, that's what happened to me. I had normal blood pressure. I built like my mom and my, my mom's family. We have same sort of genetics and we all had low blood pressure until we started getting apnea. And, and that's when my, that's when I knew, okay, Something's up. You know, we've got, I got to get this checked out. So I want to talk about in, in a second, the connection between dentistry and, and sleep apnea, because I really want to hear how they're, how they're connected, but I want to just stay on the symptoms for a moment because the something that I have noticed in my own sleep. So um, the journey on finding the right mask has also been an interesting thing. I'm still working on that. I think I may, I'm praying that I have found the right one. It's getting delivered in a couple of days. 
But in the middle of the night, I know that, you know, um, when I take the mask off and I sleep and I mouth tape, um, because that has, you know, in the, at night I'm a mouth breather and, and I don't want a full mask. And, and I really have, I, I actually enjoy mouth taping. It's been, that's another way to force the, the nose to, to breathe, you know, and it's been, I've been, it's, it's really worked and I'm a, I'm a fan of it, but I've noticed that when the machine, when I take it off and I sleep without it, there is a significant difference between, and I know when I'm going into REM sleep properly and not, um, or what's below it. I don't know all the technical stuff. Maybe you could expound on this a little bit, but I do know that when I dream and I remember them vividly, I'm not getting into the sleep that I need to because when I'm on the path, I don't remember. I know I'm dreaming, but I don't. Rem they go away like this. And then when I'm not, I remember those dreams when I wake up and I wake up more frequently it, remembering them. And I know I haven't gone down into that sleep level that I need to get to. It was another indicator of, okay, here's that other level that you're not hitting. Gotcha. Well, let's address a couple of things. And I can tell you what my favorite attachment is. And okay. hopefully that's the one you've got on the way, which is which is nasal pillow by far. That's exactly what I just ordered. Is the best attachment. And... Um, oh, I'm so happy that you said that. <laughs> well, I'm happy to share it with you because it... it uh, I was very lucky because one of the nurses at the sleep center, when I first got my in-hospital polysomnography done, um, she said, don't mess with any of these other things. Nasal pillow is all of our patients that use it have better response. They do better. It's more comfortable, easier to adapt to. And, and these folks that are recommending the full face mask, uh, I, I really question why we even do that. And I think, I think our percentages would be so much higher of, of patients being, you know, having adaptability to the device if we if we just started using nasal pillow out of the gate with everybody, and uh, because we don't want patients breathing through their mouth anyway, and so if we're if we're covering all, both, we're saying, well, it's okay. You're, you're, and what happens is people breathe through their mouth anyway with the full coverage mask. They start their skin starts to break down. It's a different feeling. It's it's really annoying for a lot of people. And that's what get, keeps people from, from adapting real well to, to the device, you know, is, is the right attachment. So, um, but as far as the, spec the specificity within the, the subtle differences between REM sleep and that, you know, that's probably for someone who's in a sleep lab, you know, they, they right. answer that question for you. Yeah. Um, because I, and I don't actually recall the specifics embarrassingly of, of how much we should remember REM dreams versus those stage two, stage three sleep patterns. Um, so that's, that's probably outside my purview to dive that deep into sleep, you know, that, that type of sleep. What I'm trying to do is, is, you know, you mentioned something about the oral connection to it. Yeah. Let's dive into that. Certainly, I certainly that. address that, but yeah, please. But what we have is we're four generations now into uh, soft diet, Mom's not breastfeeding as often as they used to. And what happens is every child leaves the incubator with a pacifier. And so when we start sucking on the pacifier, we, we start in a plan. Of course, they've tried to improve these. And there are some that are better than others as far as the, or, the future of the orthodontics of a child. But when we start moving our cheeks in, we move the baby molars together mm -hmm. and it begins to create an arched palate. And the palate is the roof of the mouth, but it's the floor of the airway space in the skull. And so when the palate is arched, uh, the teeth become crowded, 
the jaws remain underdeveloped because the teeth have peaks and valleys on them, right? We call them cusps in our world. And those cusps are the little bumps. They correspond to either a ridge or a valley on the lower tooth, the corresponding lower tooth. And so once the, once the developing jaws are too small, the teeth become crowded. The palate becomes arched like a church steeple, uh, like a like a synagogue or a temple. You know, it's like this. And so we end up not being able to breathe through our nose and the tongue falls back into the oropharynx where it doesn't belong. And so what our focus has been is let's let's you know, and, and I was taught in dental school, you know, let's monitor these kiddos. And then when they become 10 or 12, we'll look at how many baby teeth they've got left and then we'll start orthodontics. But we never dreamed that these kids could be struggling to breathe from the time that they were two years old all the way until, you know, what is the standard time to get wires and brackets and everything put, you know, put in your face, which is, by the way, simply done for compliance because, you know, kids are horrible about wearing things if you don't make them wear it. So, you know, that's how bands and brackets came about was, you know, these things are bonded in the in, in the patient's head, right? They can't remove them, although I've had a couple of patients who were pretty crafty and figured out a way to take their own <laughs> braces off at home. But, uh, you know, so there's one in every, you know, in every patient base, right? Somebody that'll do that. But, um, but that's the connection is, you know, the, because the tongue is a human being's own natural palatal expander. And our tongue should be up in the roof of our mouth as we're growing and developing and our tip of our tongue touching our incisors. And so, you know, if you look, if you stick out your tongue, you know, when you're brushing your teeth and flossing and you see little scalloped ridges on the side of your tongue, guess what? You ain't got room for your tongue. And so wow. the patient has probably got some crowding. Uh, and so, and I've been looking at thousands and thousands of telehealth charts over the last seven or eight years of adults and children. And just about every human being on earth needs expansion. And sure. didn't have it when they were a child or didn't have enough. And in orthodontics, we've been too focused on the aesthetics of things. In other words, we wouldn't want to create a bunch of space between everyone's teeth. But now we know that maybe that particular patient needs that much space to have that room for their tongue. And so if we have these patients that say, I want all these spaces gone. Well, as an orthodontist, if you go in and you, you do retractive orthodontics and you move all those teeth back in someone's head, if you look at a profile view of a patient, when we do that, we close all that space down, constriction, no room for the tongue. You know, we're trapping somebody. If you look at a profile scan of a patient, their airway, you know, becomes the size of a Starbucks coffee stirring straw instead of a garden hose. Or you know, our airway space should be about the size of our index finger if you look at a profile uh, x-ray. If, if the airway in our mouth is not, is constricted like you're talking about, um, how does that affect if, if we're to be breathing through our nose? Like, what's that What's that connection? Because I'm, I'm missing it, right? So our tongue is back and that's causing the snoring or? or... It is, and it's obstructing the airway. And the Got reason it. the tongue is back there is because the palate is arched and narrow. Right. There's no room for it. And therefore, we, a patient literally can't breathe through their nose because they're they're not, they're just not able to draw a breath through their nose because there's so much crowding. And what you're talking about is is probably so unknown by most people, right? Like if they go, all right, I can't breathe through my nose, there must be a sinus issue instead of what you're talking about is, no, your airway is blocked because of what's happening in the mouth. Correct. And, and it's so often subclinical. 
And part of it is because we have medical school and we have podiatry school and we have dental school. And so we don't teach our MDs very much about the oral cavity or about feet or about accounting or business or law or, you know, any of the other professional schools, right? We just don't mix and mingle that very much. And so, I mean, there was a major teaching hospital in a major, major city, the number four largest city in the world that I was about to do a meeting with back in the spring with a colleague of mine because the head of this hospital, it was a leading children's teaching hospital and no one in their department had ever understood that there was an oral connection to sleep disordered breathing. And this woman was just flabbergasted and she's leading a team of hundreds of doctors and nurses and staff people in one of the top teaching hospitals, children's hospitals in the world. And she's like, please come and let's do a gigantic luncheon so that all my doctors can come. I want you guys to come and, and share this because it, it's just not commonly known. And, th and this is 2024, you know, and there's, and there's, uh, and I was at the American Academy of uh, Dental Sleep Medicine meeting in Philadelphia. And a lot, there's a lot of physicians that are there speaking and, you know, ear, nose and throat physicians and, uh, and dentists and orthodontists are all there together. This is the number one, you know, oral teaching group in the world for sleep disordered breathing. And, and, and it was amazing how, how still there was a lot of confusion and a lot of misinformation that's still out there. There was one medical doctor or researcher from Canada that was talking about maybe sleep apnea in children might not even exist and they can probably grow out of it. And, and she was quoting a study of seven people, seven children. And I was like, you know, that's, that's not a very big swath of, of society. You know, I, I had treated seven children that morning <laughs> that, that had the issue. So it's like, you know, and, and I was thinking, how can this be? I mean, maybe if it was 2001, but this is 2024. Right. And so, um, you know, and that's really why we're talking today is because, you know, I mean, Brian Ferry, just my co-author, he, he just, I mean, he's not from the dental world or the medical world. He's got an advanced science degree now because he went out and got one because he was teaching and working with so many doctors um, that he wanted to do that. And he wanted to understand the physiology and the science behind things more. But, you know, he and I, that, that was what we decided to do seven years ago when we first met. Uh, he, he had his wife had just passed away a year or two previous, and he was working for a company that makes oral appliances for people who uh, who have sleep disordered breathing or need expansion. And he was helping them with their marketing because that was his background. And so, you know, we're like, we have to tell this story. We have to go and talk to John and anybody that will listen to us and just try to so that people can understand. I mean, I've, I've got a mom I'm supposed to call later today. Um, you know, that I think about often, you know, she, her child was three years old and he had been to uh, every ear, nose and throat pediatric specialists, you know, within an hour's drive of a major U.S. city. And he was, they finally, the, the fifth one said, let's take out his tonsils and adenoids. Maybe that'll help. And her chief maybe, complaint. Maybe that'll help. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the mom and the child's chief complaint was he drools all the time. And so, uh, and it turns out that uh, many children drool if they have so much crowding that they literally have to tip their head forward so they can breathe through their mouth and 
if they can't breathe through their nose and they can't, then they're doing, and they're using their mouth to breathe 24 hours a day, then they, and they produce tons of saliva because that's what you're supposed to do when you're that age, because you're growing and developing and saliva is good for a lot of things intraorally as they're, as they're developing. And so I, I let her know that her child is, you know, it's, it's, it's like a bowl of water walking around tipped forward because he's, he's, he's going to, I mean, if you're going to choose breathing versus swallowing saliva, you're going to choose breathing every time. So he's, and that's, that's the situation there. And he just needs some expansion and that's going to help him grow. And, and, and you can start looking into this on the internet. I mean, some of my dear, dear colleagues that are much more experienced than I uh, have helped with this, uh, some names to look at and go search out and listen to and read. Uh, my colleague, Dr. Ben Moralia, M-I-R-A-G-L-I-A, Ben Moralia, is, he's from Mount Kisco, New York. He's been treating children for 20 years with some very simple appliances that can help these kids grow and develop. And uh, my colleague, Callie Hale, down in Texas, uh, in the Houston area, um, is, is fabulous, and she's treated hundreds and hundreds of patients with with these appliances, adults and children, and she has an airway focused dental group with multiple locations in the Houston area. Uh, and my colleague Kevin Goals out in Colorado is fabulous as well. And and you can find these folks, uh, you know, that can help you with an appliance. You know, let's just say you're tired of traveling with your CPAP and lugging it everywhere you go. You know, there there is hope, and we can. Or maybe you're one of these six and ten that aren't you know aren't as uh, you know, adaptable as, as you and I to the device. And, and maybe, maybe you need to look for another, another method. And there are several good ways to help with sleep issues with oral appliances. You know, you were, and thank you for sharing, uh, all of that. Um, those are incredible resources. Um, you were sharing about a child, you know, leaning forward to breathe and as someone who has gone to a chiropractor now for over a decade, I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, it's not even just what you're talking about. That then leads to spinal issues, which leads to nervous. It's just amazing how, I love what you said, right? We have all these different specialists, but we're not kind of connected and all they actually, it all connect, right? Like the, all these issues lead to other issues um, and how the body was created to do something, you know, um, properly that we're, we're screwing up. I mean, I'm just still going back to, a pacifier and the issues that that simple thing is that everybody uses is is um, creating uh, such an issue. Um, and well, I don't know if you know this. Thing, here's the other thing, thing about pacifiers, too. Even the ones that are designed by orthodontists or companies, people that have worked with Gerber and these large you know, kids manufacturing companies to help them make a better appliance. 75% of those orthodont the orthodontists out there have have no idea that that they're creating any airway issues. Right. I mean it's it's really it, it's surprising but it's still the story's just not out there. People just don't don't know and don't understand. Mm. Thing that that gets very present to to me is, you know, and I just said it to my wife too. So I'm it, it's we have we don't watch regular TV, right? Like most people, I have certain ads, but the, the crazy thing is, is one app in particular, um, which is a major TV network, um, the, all their ads are for drugs. And there was one where it was, um, 
can't even think about it right now. But it was a shot that a pregnant mother should take for RSV, which I didn't even know about. So it's an RSV vaccine. And I'm sitting here going, and then they list all the side effects. And I'm like, who in their right mind would inject into themselves something that could affect not only them, obviously, which is in and of itself crazy, but then their unborn baby. And you know what I mean? And so my point is, is is we get so used to do this or do this or do this and the programming that the things that you're talking about, which are let's get underneath the issue, right? So how many people go, ah, just put on a machine. I'm not going to change my, my habits or my, and you're tackling, no, no, no. What is the cause because of, and let's go all the way back to here's where we're identifying that root cause that is so mainstream that so many people go, ah, what are you talking about? For years, we've done this. Well, look at the results of what's happening, you know, to people. Right. Well, and, and one of my colleagues says that, that sleep dentistry is to dentistry what functional medicine is to medicine, basically. In other words, you're it. treating the whole person. You're trying to help people's uh, oral cavity be shaped the right way so that they can be, you know, the best, healthiest person they can be. So in my apnea journey, um, I, I, you know, heard, you know, you can find ways to get off the machine. So, and that's your mission. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just want to make sure I'm clear that a lot of it has to do with what's happening here, not necessarily here. Like that's the thing that we need to start really taking a look at because I'm asking really for myself. So like, all right, well, it's, it's, it's all related. Okay. They're, they're all interconnected. So in a, in a good, and, and we don't want to confuse people with what a sleep dentist is. You know, there are dentists that, that put people to sleep, you know, to do their dentistry. So that, you know, with anesthesia, so not right. there. we're talking about <laughs> dentists that treat uh, sleep apnea, sleep obstructed breathing. Uh, and so, uh, but, but there's, it's a very straightforward situation. There are in many States, almost all of them, dentists and dental teams can sleep test patients. And the way that we do that, typically in my office, is we use a sleep image ring or a Wesper ring or a watch pat. There's several different varieties. But the sleep image ring, you can Google it and put it in the show notes. Uh, you just wear it on your non-dominant index finger. It was discovered during an MIT research project where they were studying cardiac decoupling. And they found out, holy smokes, if we can monitor the heart like this, we can also monitor respiration. So they made this little device you get a very detailed sleep study. I, I do as a provider. So if a patient says to me, look, I, I don't have the money to pay for a sleep appliance. My dental insurance won't cover it. I want to go get a CPAP machine first, at least try it. Well, then we're able to send this data and then we make a CBCT, uh, a cone beam computer aided tomography scan of the head. And from this, we can spin the skull. We can stand on your tongue and look at your palate. We can separate all your sutures. We can look inside your sinuses. It's a fabulous image. And we're able to see, okay, does this person have an airway issue or not? I mean, I was concerned that one of my sons had one. He's, he's now 32. So we, we got him in, got a CBCT. His, his airways is as big around as my thumb. He has no, it doesn't have an airway problem. And, and there's also sleep apnea that is so difficult to diagnose. It's sometimes a it's called central sleep apnea. So it's, it's within the lung area, perhaps, or general systemic areas, not in, in the head or the typical airway space. But we use the CBCT, we use the sleep study, we use very detailed photographs, 
we make a 3D scan of the patient's mouth, what used to be an impression, you know, when you go and have, uh, you know, whitening trays made or you have orthodontics, you have a lot of impressions mm -hmm. made or you had a crown done, you've had an impression made. So that now is in almost every dental office in the United States is now a digital device that just makes images. It's just a camera. It takes three th or 6,000 images a second and then produces wow. a 3D image uh, so that, and I'm telling you, this thing is so accurate uh, that where we can make, you know, very accurate uh, 3D printed or, or physical handmade, artistically made by wonderful lab technicians, appliances that, that can help patients. And basically what our goal is, is that every human being needs to have about 41 millimeters across their palate between their six-year molars. So if you go back from your canines, you got one, two, and then the third tooth back is your what we call your first molar, which comes in when a patient is six years old. So you have this, and it comes in behind your baby teeth, so it doesn't repl replace a baby tooth. And these molars are gigantic. They're they're the they have four, sometimes five cusps on them, and they are the largest chewing surface in our mouth. And so it's really important for the way we function. And we want those the very most inside portion towards your palate of those molars to have 41 millimeters in between, which, you know, we use, what is it? Just us and Burma are the only two countries who still use the English system of measuring. So 41 millimeters is, you know, what one inch is 2.54 centimeters. So, you know, a centimeter is it's 4.1 centimeters. So you're talking about this far. Mm. And it's also about the, length of a standard dental cotton roll. So if you have dentists that are manning up and listening to the podcast, if they'll just <laughs> take a cotton roll and stick it in their patient's mouth, if it doesn't fit, they're too narrow. That's the easiest, fastest way to know if your teeth are not, you know, a standard dental cotton roll. You can order some on Amazon for yourself if you're just a list, you're just listening to the podcast. And you can take that thing and go, wow, I can't, you know, this this thing is bending. I'm really narrow. You know, so so you need to get, you know, and, and what can expand us? Orthodontics, conventional orthodontics, uh, which, by the way, you know, I'm a big advocate of clear aligner orthodontics and remote clear aligner orthodontics, which I've helped people do a lot with telehealth. But I'm also a big uh, advocate of uh, conventional orthodontics. And I used to in my practice, we sent hundreds and hundreds of adult patients, probably over 500 in a 10, 12 year period we would send uh, adults to the orthodontist and, and get things moved around and get them. Into, and, and you know what, of all those people, John, that we sent, I, I never had anybody say, man, that was a waste of time and money. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody, I mean, you're everything there's har harmony is just better. Right. So when we move things in the right spot, all of our anatomy starts to function the best way. And, and uh, it's just like that feeling you got when you, you know, slept with your CPAP. It was, you know, there's harmony in the world. You got up and you had a good restful night of sleep and it makes a huge difference. For our listeners, um, I'm going to address an issue with you. Uh, I'm listening to you. Number one, I'm fascinated. Um, obviously I have a personal connection, but um, I, I'm always present to the journey. And then when you find out that it didn't have to be such, um, and, and, I want to be respectful of time here. But when I decided to get my sleep checked, 
I went I went to the general doctor and I'm not a fan of doctors. I'm 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 I've learned I'm a fan of chiropractors and and people who do what you're, you know, who think out of the box and want to treat the whole how does the body function and like you said functional medicine. Um but I had I went to the doctor and the doctor prescribed a uh allergy medicine and then sent me to the ENT and the heart doctor. So the ENT was a waste of time. They wanted um, to perform like that's a whole other thing. I was so unhappy with that visit. And then when I when I went to the heart doctor and they did the sleep study, um, you know, not just one every time I got billed for going, and I would go and I would bring the CPAP machine and they go, you're doing great. All right, we'll see you in six months. They never talked about the face mask that I was using unless I expressed a concern. Never taught me how to use it, number two. Um, didn't dive into the results. You have explained more about sleep apnea in the time on this podcast than I had in six months of going to various doctors to deal with this issue. Um, and nobody once ever recommended seeing somebody who does what you do. So you're a godsend on just to be led here. I knew the topic was important, but I'm so excited for the answers that you're bringing, not only to me, but so many others on, on what they need to act, who they should. So I guess my question is, if somebody's dealing with this issue, who should they go see first? Sure. Um, well, if you suspect that you have sleep apnea, I recommend going to your your primary care physician if you if you have enjoyed your experience with them and and they and they seem to be a good doctor because you know we could do a whole podcast on you know how do I find a doctor in 2024 right. I mean right. my parents are going through this my parents are uh, 78 and you know my dad's 78 going on 58 he could probably throw a couple innings right now you know to a batting practice you know whatever I mean he and he just keeps moving and is just really health conscious. And, you know, and my mom is right there with them too. And they're, they're doing things that in 78 that, you know, 20 years ago, 78 year olds could have never done. And right. so, but, you know, and we have friends and family in Nashville. So we're very close to the Vanderbilt health system and wonderful doctors there and really good. So if you, if you have a good relationship with your primary care physician, go, go and see them and start there, start the process there. But, you know, the number one thing that I've shared on a lot of the podcasts that, that I've been uh, you know, privileged to be a part of is the number one thing going forward, you know, post 2000 is, you know, be an advocate for your own health. Mm. If, if a medication, if you look at a medication and it's and the list of side effects and issues with the medication, none of those do you currently have. I mean, just like you said, why, why would I start a medicine? I mean, I mean, I had that situation in my life. I was prescribed a medication and I mean, the side effects were gastric cramping, diarrhea, nausea. I mean, things that I, I never had. And about 30% of the patients experienced some of these symptoms. And so why would I want to do that? And so be, a, be your own healthcare advocate. You know, if something sounds strange to you, check it out, get a second opinion, uh, because, you know, us dentists and doctors and financial experts that, you know, they all put their pants on just like you do. You know, they're human beings. Right. And and sure, treat them with respect. But 
you know, sadly, we live in an age where, you know, if you don't check and make sure the fries are in your extra value meal bag, they're probably not going to be in there. And and sadly, that that, tra- you know, transcends over into because everybody's busy. Right. It's a fast paced thing. I mean, if John's not having any issues, we're not going to ask him about his mask. I mean, he seems to be doing good. We got 12 patients waiting. They were an hour behind. Right. Ahead good amount, good amount. And, and so. um but, you know, just be an advocate for yourself and your family if you have family members, because you and I, we seem to be contemporaries here. I can remember when my uh, when when you when your doctor told you something, I mean, by God, everybody did it. Everybody right. did what their doctor said. And and now we have this situation in 2010 or so and beyond where we've got unregulated or very limited regulation on pharmaceutical companies going and telling you, like you mentioned earlier, on a, on a, you know, on your stream that you didn't want to pay another five bucks a month for. So now you've got, you know, this stream that's going to shoot you an Ozempic ad or a Jardians ad or whatever it is. Ask your doctor. You may have restless leg syndrome. Ask your doctor, you know. And so you're telling these patients, you know, that they've got, they've got troubles, you know, and go check it out. And, and, uh, and and remember, these are publicly traded companies that want to satisfy shareholders and they want to sell medication. And so you have to, you know, uh, sadly, in 2024, we have to take that into consideration. And, and I'm not saying everybody needs to go home and, you know, strain blueberries and eat broccoli for their cancer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that although that. That's that's good. That's a good thing for you to add to your diet. But if, you know, I'm, I'm not saying let's, let's not be ridiculous, but take take everything with a grain of salt and listen. And if your doctor's not listening to you and they're not communicating with you, find, find another one. Right. I mean, how many times have we sat there, you and I both? And I and sadly, all my patients out there are saying you were in a hurry with me one day, doctor. And so I'll apologize to them now for that because I probably should have spent more time. But um, if your doctor doesn't have time to look you in the face and seriously consider your questions, or if he's texting a prescription to somebody else or whatever, I mean, find somebody that that cares for you and your family, you know, it's, you're paying too much or your for your health insurance. It's being held out of your paycheck, whatever it is. My health insurance is $2,200 a month. I'm 54 years old. It's $2,200 a month. Get here, Medicare. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm 50, I'm 11 years from Medicare. So, you know, I'm paying a, a house payment for my health insurance. So you're you're providing these people with funds. So so get information from them and be an advocate for yourself. And remember, you know, things like food is a medicine. You know, I, it's taken me 50 years to learn this. You know, I, I mean, I grew up on a dirt road in Arkansas and I ate a bunch of biscuits and fried stuff. And man, you can't do that. You got, you know, you got to you got to read, you got to research, you know, and you'll feel better for it. You'll sleep better. You'll feel better. Life will be better. Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that. And we are not one. We're the same age. Um, but I've been on that journey now for for quite a while. And and food is fuel. It really it really it, 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 what you put in really does matter. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm really happy that you said that. Um, I want to, uh, I, I want to make sure people find you. Um, you have been a blessing, n- not only to me, but I'm sure to so many, um, just by being here. So uh, well, I really want to thank yeah. you. Happy to. Um, 
but I want to make sure that I have this correct for people to find you, askdrleads.com. Is that correct? Yep. You can pre-order the book there and track me down. You can also go to drblaineleads.com. Uh, that's my just my physical practice site that we're going to be. It's really terrible right now. I'm embarrassed. I got to I got to revamp that. But uh, <laughs> we're going to get that done soon. And uh, I've got two I've got two kids that can code and write music and all. And I'm like, maybe help me make a website. And I got see you, Dad. I'm going to Brooklyn. Okay. Well, whatever. And so, so, um, which they, they are today, but, uh, one of my sons is headed to Brooklyn as we speak. So, but we, you know, that's my standard, you know, run of the mill dental office website that I hope to be improving in the next few days. So you can find me. There. Okay. Um, you, well, I, 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 I want to, because we, we briefly touched on it. And so you, you have a book coming out called what happens when your child doesn't, when your children don't sleep, when is that coming out? That's a good question. I expected it out November 30th. I expected it out January 9th. And so my co-author, Brian Ferry, is is wrapping it up. And so uh, as only he can. So yeah. it, it could be any it should be any day, honestly. It's okay. been any day awesome. since before the holiday. We got into the holiday and then everybody got COVID and, you know, stuff stuff happened. So um, but yeah, sometime soon. So awesome. yeah, we, and I'm excited about it. And and want to share the the story and how to how to help your kiddos if we can. Well, what, after that comes out, you know, maybe we can have you as a return guest and talk about the book and what's happening with that. That'd be a lot of fun. Happy to. I'm happy to come back and and just talk about being a guy if you want to do that too. Sometimes. Okay, I love it. I love it. Hey, we come from the same generation, man. There's there's yeah, hashtag man up already T-shirt, and I'll you know we'll just talk about uh, my my favorite manly things. I'm happy to. Do All right, that I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's been re really, truly an honor. Thank you. Well, it's it's mutual, John, and I, I appreciate the fact that you had me on. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. For listening to another episode of the Man Up Already podcast, we really do appreciate it. And I want to ask you to do a couple of things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're listening or viewing on, subscribe to the podcast, right? Help us right continue to grow by joining the community and also rate the podcast rate the episode right whatever platform you're on you could leave a rating let us know your comments let us know your thoughts if you can do that we really do want your feedback you could head on over to manupalready.com and check out our website all the podcast episodes are on there as well but also join our community sign up on our emailing list. We're going to get content out to you. There's also a free resource there for you when you do that. Um, and pass it on. Pass on the podcast. Let people know right, what we're up to, what we're about. Speak about it. If, you, if you're a podcast enthusiast, please share episodes. Tell people about what it is that we do. Uh, what we do here and what you like about it and, and what you don't like about it. And that's that's okay as well, right? It's just getting the word out. And then finally, I want to thank um, a, a great sponsor of our podcast, Master Beef Jerky. Their, their uh, slogan is bold flavor, tender bite. If you head on over to masterbeefjerky.com, they've got incredible flavors there. But if you put in the coupon code MUAP, you will get 20% off your order. I highly recommend you check them out. Master Beef Jerky, Bold Flavor, Tender Bite, and a great, great sponsor of the podcast. Until next time, 
Thanks so much for being here, and we'll talk to you soon.